Sound Design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Oakland, California. Welcome to Sound Design Live. Today, my guest is the author of Live Sound Survival Big Sounds Out of Small Systems, Bjorgvin Benedictson. Thanks for being here. Thank you. You have a great site called Audio Issues, and I'm sure people want to hear what you have to say about recording and live audio. But more importantly, you live or you lived or you're from Iceland, the mm-hmm. home of my favorite rock band of all time, Sigur Ross. <laughs> Do you ever see those guys around town? Um, do you have any good Sigur Ross stories for me? Uh, yeah, I actually, um, I was living in Madrid in 2008. Uh, I did my SAE Institute sound engineering diploma there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a time where Sigur Ross was playing and uh, it was sold out immediately. But luckily for me, I know people on the road crew. So I just emailed them and asked if I could get tickets, and I got tickets pretty easily. But then when I went to pick up my tickets, I discovered I also had a backstage pass. Which oh, was sweet. Cool. So um, we went backstage. and Well, the show was awesome, obviously. They were playing in this kind of mid-sized venue, so it was sort of intimate, but not. But they were still able to do like their big, huge thing with the screens and the, you know, the visuals and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went backstage and had a few drinks and whatever, and uh, it was pretty funny. At one point, Yonsei comes in, the singer, uh, and he's, he's, I don't know, he's probably a little bit tipsy after the show and whatever, and it ends up me and uh, the friend I dragged with me who was all kind of flabbergasted by the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, we were just uh, sitting on the floor while Yonsei was doing card tricks. <laughs> card tricks with us and like the uh, opening band so it was kind of a surreal interesting situation and because he didn't know I was Icelandic he comes in and he's like oh hello uh, trying to be like cordial or whatever and I just start speaking to him in Icelandic he's like oh oh alright uh, <laughs> so oh, now I don't have to be nice to you anymore I can <laughs> be like a regular person yeah he just like went on with his his business I guess at that point <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of the only... um, I've seen them a a ton of times live, a few times in Iceland and also in London. So And and Denmark, actually. They were playing at the Roskilde Music Festival in 2006 or 7. Can't remember when it was. So yeah, they're an awesome live band. I've been to see them a lot live too. And I was was really sad when they took a break to have kids. Except for (laughs) Yonzi, obviously. And... um, that's not true. Obviously, he could get he could adopt a kid if he wanted to. But anyway, I'm so glad that they're back and they're missing one member. But they've been on tour again, and mm-hmm. uh, I saw them recently when they came to the Bay Area. I moved around a lot, but I still got to see them when they toured mm-hmm. um, at least once a year. Cool. And I would always go up to the front of house engineer after the show and basically ask him how he got his job because I wanted his job. So, <laughs> right. like, hey, how did you hook up with the band? Because he's just he's an English guy, and uh-huh. uh, and he he said, oh, they just heard about me and and they just called me up. And I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's not a very good answer for me. <laughs> after a while, um, I don't think he helpful. ever remembered 
me, but I asked him this. I would ask him the same question every time because I just wanted to go up there and talk to him. It's pretty funny. <laughs> well, can you teach me how to say something awesome in Icelandic to yell at them at shows? Something like, um, I love you. I want to have your baby. <laughs> um, I want to have your baby. That's, I've never had to say that in Icelandic. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, um, you can do it. Well, well, you can say. Well, let's let's uh, let me think for a minute. You can say, Yeah, that's easy. See, I'm re- <laughs> I'm glad I'm recording this now. I'm just gonna um, play it back and practice later. And the next time I go to the show, I'll be able to yeah, say p- it. Pitch it down to slow so you can hear where every word ends and the other one begins. <laughs> I wonder if it's hard to learn Icelandic. I know this is way off topic now, but <laughs> the way when I hear Icelandic, it sounds so foreign that it reminds me of trying to learn Slovak, which I did for like a year. What is Slovak language? Slovak language is one of the Slavonic languages in Europe and is spoken in Slovakia, which is a country in Eastern Europe. Slovak language is rich in sound, has beautiful vowel and consonant combinations. If you are looking for something like a magical forest, you have to travel here. And I forgot, we have beautiful women. So if you want to get married with a nice, young, good-looking woman, now you've got here the first reason why to learn Slovak. Just kidding, you don't need to speak Slovak to get beautiful women, right? Everybody knows that. You will need the money. And it was so funny because Slovak people cannot say words slowly. There are right. a lot of words that just like don't have consonants. And so you ask them to say it and they just say it at the exact same speed. And you're like, no, I'm trying to learn it. Say it slow. And they can't. Well, it doesn't. It's kind of the same thing for us, I would think. You know, like that volcano that erupted a few years back. Right. It had like the impossibly long name. Right. So it's good. <laughs> so for I'm me sorry. to slow it down yeah, for me to slow it down it's just it's just absurd okay enough of that I'm sure people <laughs> want to hear about audio and stuff maybe some people don't care about Sigur Ross, but you know what <laughs> those people shouldn't listen to this show because I hate them <laughs> um, so <laughs> for people who don't know about your site Audio Issues do you want to just give them a quick overview um, of some of the topics that you write on Sure. So Audio Issues is a blog for, um, it's just audio production tips, home recording tips, mixing, um, some of some gear uh, recommendations, some, some live sound tips as well. Uh, just very basic, practical, easy to understand and easy to use immediately tips. I'm not big on overcomplicating things, and I'm kind of like just writing to inspire. Uh, I don't give you exact specifics on how to do certain things. It's more kind of like showing you the direction and making sure that you don't overcomplicate things on the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a few ebooks out, the live sound one, and then I have the mixing, recording and mixing strategies bundle as well. Um, that's self-explanatory recording and mixing things. Uh, then I have some things coming out and in the next few weeks, I think, a, uh, a new product as well. Do you want to talk about that or is that secret? 
No, that's uh, I'm revamping my Mixing Mistakes e-course. Uh, so it's used to be a collection of 10 emails, just like simple mixing mistakes that people often do. And uh, now I've created uh, 10 in-depth articles about it alongside 10 video tutorials that go along with each tip or each mistake. And I've done two webinars with uh, other engineers or like up-and-coming engineers where I give them like feedback on their mix and tips and tricks on how to improve. And then two feedback reports that just kind of me writing. Uh, it's kind of like the text uh, text version of the feedback webinars. Cool. Yeah. So let's talk about Live Sound Survival, your book for a second. Like your site, it's kind of an introductory guide to a lot of these topics. Yep. And in this case, it covers small to medium sound systems. And I want to talk about work ethic for a minute because um, I've read your book and another book recently that start out a lot the same way. Um, this is from the first chapter of your book. Live sound is difficult, frustrating, has long hours, and often commands very bad pay. Even though mixing live sound might be an awesome job, it's just a small part of what you do as a live sound engineer. Sometimes running live sound just sucks. Now compare that to the very first chapter of Dave Swallow's book, Live Audio, where he says, if you like semi-darkness, long hours of boredom, long hours of work, no social life, no love life, heavy lifting, getting your white gloves dirty, and a good laugh, this is the job for you. So first of all, thank you for being so honest. I know we all get into this because we love technology and art, not because we love lifting heavy boxes and sweating all day. Secondly, how do you deal with these shitty parts of the job mentally and emotionally? We, we've all been in, in those situations when we thought, I'm better than this. This isn't what I signed up for. But I think that can lead to a superiority complex and, and is why I think a lot of sound engineers end up being bitter and burned out and pissed off. So I don't know. Talk about what's going on in your head when you've been doing this kind of work and you feel like this is just shitty. To be honest, um, I don't do a lot of it anymore. Um, because I, well, basically the solution to the life sound problem is to just quit and go to school, which is what I, which is what <laughs> great, I did. That's, that's a great answer. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, uh, I love it and I would totally go back to doing it if I had the time or it's just not really in the cards for me right now. But I loved um, having, I just loved having like a venue that I kind of called my own because I did a lot of like in-house sound and I also did like a bunch of like uh, prop up venues where you just like, oh, here's the car and, and put the back line inside this container and then the PA on the outside kind of outdoors type th stuff in Iceland. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, it takes... It takes a certain dedication to like want to get up in the morning at seven or earlier and drive to a location and then set up a line array and put everything together and you know tons and tons of cables and electricity and all that and then you know the show is maybe twenty part twenty percent of the the thing and then you have to rip everything down again. So I mean, it's fun if you have good people and you have good bands. Uh, and if you have good weather, which is not the case in Iceland, unfortunately. In any of your work that you do in the studio uh -huh. or live, you know there are these crappy parts where you hate it and you just feel yeah. like, wow, I'm just lifting boxes or I'm just dealing with drama. This is not what I'm into. 
And is there some kind of, um, I don't know, mental strategy you have for not quitting or not just getting mad at people or not hating yourself? I'm a big believer in consistency, especially when it comes to, you know, my website and all that stuff. Like I try to consistently blog, even if I don't have anything necessarily insightful to say, I'll try to find like one little nugget that I can post that day. Uh, just kind of get over it because if you get stuck and just abandon everything, uh, then you're not going to improve a lot. And so, well, I'm also a big believer in like, quitting fast if you re- really know that it's not for you mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that fine line of like realizing like yeah this is just one of those days but it's not like oh this is i'll hate this forever you know so, like i'll never take i'll never take like a typical career job because i know i'm gonna hate it even though like i can look at it from like a, oh i get all these bells and whistles and security and blah 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 but I just don't like that. I'm just terrible with authority and like doing my own thing. Okay, so there's some things that you're committed to that mm-hmm. you just you just do the work. You just approach it to just do the work and be consistent and try to leave judgment out of it for the time yep. being. And then there's there's other things where you try to be objective about it and say, okay, is this really not working? Um, right. Let me shift my energy somewhere else. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, one of the biggest things is I just started this business with two other people called Crowd Audio. So it's crowdaudio.com and it's uh, connects audio engineers with musicians through competition. Uh, so it's sort of like the 99 designs of um, audio engineering or music mixing. Mm-hmm. And uh, starting a blog is kind of easy. You don't have a lot of like... Um, risk or whatever but this is a startup so we're starting like an actual business that we're we want to grow so there's all of these hindrances and all of these things we have to get through and you know billions of tasks that we have to do and so like one day is just a tiny drop of 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 mission accomplished Mm -hmm. things you know but you know you still wake up the next day and uh and go back out there and and do the next thing on the to-do list, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that. It sounds like sort of the way Elance works for writers where people bring in a project and then writers will submit proposals for um, what they what they would do, what they would bring to the project, and how much they would charge. Yeah, it's sort of like a marketplace. Uh, it's a variation of a marketplace for audio engineers. And then... I guess you would have engineers make a proposal or um, submit something they've done that's similar to try to attract that client. Well, we've been running it as competitions, so the band uploads the tracks and then puts up the prize money, and the, then the engineers compete for the best mix. So we got a bunch of engineers from all over the world. Oh, I see. So the engineers actually go through and do all of the work. They're not just submitting a proposal, they actually do the work. They do the work, um, and that it's there's a competition involved. Some like I, I wouldn't say that they go a hundred percent, but it is still a competition. So, you know, people have a more incentive to do better work than others. But at the same time, um, we get a lot of submissions, which is cool, and we get uh, very different takes on everything. So it's not just uh, you can. So the musician can really hear 
uh, specific direction that he wants to take and then like gravitate towards a specific engineer or specific competition or mm-hmm. a specific competing engineer. Yeah. Um, I used a place called Talent House uh, a couple years ago to find a choreographer. Have you ever looked at that place? No, I haven't. They have a similar kind of setup where um, a lot of times it's people looking for new designs for their sites or logo designs, um, but they also have things like uh, submitting remixes of songs. And I think what they did was they were able to get some advertisers on board. So like you can compete in a competition to design the next shoe for Nike, for example. Oh, okay. So I'll say one more thing about work ethic. I just wanted to tell you that I think what's changed for me most is my expectations. When I mm-hmm. first started working, I expected everything to go according to plan and I, I would get <laughs> nervous and upset whenever it didn't. And now I'm a lot more relaxed because I know that the band might not show up for sound check and that equipment might break and that the client may or may not be happy about things that are out of my control. So that's oh, what's changed for me. Like you'll never get the full finished product the first time around. I I, re- I know this like because I use Elance a lot, and I get uh, higher graphic designers and web developers and, and and people that know how to do things that I can't be bothered to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the first thing they give you is never good at all. But it's like they're just giving you a direction. Like, am I going the right direction? You're like, yeah, this looks cool, but can you do these 15 things to it and make it look a little bit better? Mm-hmm. So like that's the expectation I get from, especially when you're hiring because I understand it from like the, the contractor's point of view. It's like, you don't want to put in like five hours of work and they're like, Oh no, I don't like any of this. Rather put in one hour of work so that you have direction for the next four hours. You can find relevant links and more information about today's interview by using the search box on sounddesignlive.com. While you're there, pick up the Sound Design Live ebook with the best material from my first two years of interviews with audio industry leaders. So Bjorkman, I really appreciate your direct quick start guide mm-hmm. kind of style with this ebook. Yeah. But I'm going to bust your balls on a couple of things. Um, okay. Just, for example, in the section on mixers, you write that the line input is for guitars and keyboards, but I would never plug in guitars and keyboards because they don't put out a line level signal. I guess maybe if I didn't have any other way to get the signal into the board. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's kind of like that's kind of like I was thinking. A lot of times, um, there's a chapter or like the section that where I talk about an open mic type situation where you have like the bare bones like almost nothing to work with, like a two, four-track mixer. So it's like kind of when you're putting in um, an acoustic guitar or a keyboard and that's the only thing you have. Like when I did sound at the at my old venue, I, I used to have DI boxes anyway, so like they would be plugged in like through there. Like it would, it would all balance out into mic level and like... Uh, it would all, like it would all sound good at the end, but it's just... Because the guide isn't, and I say that in the guide, it isn't for uh, people that want to be know how to like run large line arrays. It's for musicians, and I wrote it for musicians to to like get by when they don't have a sound engineer. So like 
quick fixes to make sure that their sound works. You know? Okay, you, it's not called live sound amazing. It's called live sound survival. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's that those sorts of things. But if you only have like a Behringer Xenix and an acoustic guitar and a mic, uh, you just plug it into wherever the sound comes out. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. One thing that you're obviously really good at is your website and your web content. And I uh-huh. kind of want to know where you learned that stuff. And um, your site looks great. For example, did you design it and implement it yourself? Well, the site that I have now is a premium theme I bought from Theme Forest that I kind of modified myself a little bit. Okay, uh, when you say theme, that's a WordPress theme, right? Yeah, people. it's a WordPress okay. theme. Uh, I recently uh, redesigned my logo, and I did that through 99designs. Okay. So I got a, about 200 submissions for a logo, and I picked the one wow. I like. Yeah, that's well, some some of the versions were iterations of a previous version, but still, like a lot of really great things that I can say about Ninety Nine Designs. Were uh, I definitely like that uh, idea, which is why I'm using it for audio. <laughs> so, which is why I'm stealing their idea and using it for music mixing. Cool. And uh, then um, I do a lot of the graphic design work and all that stuff just through Elance. I just hire people to do it for me. And I currently have I've, I'm actually working on redeveloping the website. Uh, I'm, I bought a new theme and it's being redesigned as we speak. Okay, I like your approach because I also bought a theme uh, mm-hmm. for a WordPress theme like you did, but then I did like many, many hours of customization on it. And now it looks almost as good as I want it to and functions almost as good as I want it to, but I kind of wish I had just bought something that was already exactly how I wanted it or just paid someone to set it up exactly how I wanted it because I'm still not a website programmer, so I still can't make it exactly how I wanted to, but I thought that if I just spent enough time on it, I could get it to where I wanted it to be, but still like you know, 95% good. I've kind of stopped doing that stuff uh, because if I can pay somebody $200 for doing all the work for me and I don't have to spend like two days on it, like that's worth it to me. I, I, could, write, I could write a whole ebook in two days. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me some of the things you've gotten out of putting content online because there are mm-hmm. not a lot of sound engineers like you and like me who are trying to promote themselves through creating online content. And uh, I I will tell you that I don't think I've gotten any work out of my site, which is what I started it for. What mm-hmm. I did what I have gotten a lot of is uh, I've created an audience, I've sold a few ebooks mm-hmm. and I've gotten a lot of community out of it and I've gotten to talk to a lot of interesting people through these interviews that I do like you. Yep. Um, but it hasn't gotten me a lot of work. So tell me what you've gotten out of the site. Pretty similar to you. I used to have like a hire me button there, uh, but I took it down because uh, it was just too frustrating for me to have to deal with people that wanted things for like when I get exposure or when I like when I make it big. I'm like, no, I'm just if I want if you want me to mix your project, you have to pay me for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Uh, so I just kind of stopped even trying to look for work through the website and just became like a content, like a teacher or educator. Mm-hmm. So selling ebooks and creating content and 
uh, emailing my list with hand, uh, handy tips and tricks is what I do as, uh, and it's just kind of what I like doing. I, I kind of, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm okay with like not seeking work through the website and just having it be educational for others. Sound Design Live produces free audio podcast interviews with industry experts, product reviews of pro audio books, hardware, and software, and tutorials and articles on sound engineering, sound design, and sound system design and optimization. Subscribe today at sounddesignlive.com or by searching for Sound Design Live in iTunes or SoundCloud. I think we need more sound engineers online. It's still such a personal network-based business that I don't think people really see the value of it a lot of times. Yeah, and like uh, after moving to the U.S., I, I, I got a lot of more opportunities to like go meet people, go to shows, go to trade shows and conventions and stuff like that because you know you're you're only a, I'm not on a, on an island in another continent in the North Atlantic. Like I'm. I'm eight hours away from LA, so I can go to Nam every year, and I'm a f- plane ride away from San Francisco. I can go to AES whenever it's in San Francisco. I haven't actually gone to the New York AES, but you know, it's just a lot more opportunities. And then there's the Potluck Conference in Tucson every year, so which is kind of cool as well. So tell me about the Potluck Conference because I'd never heard about it until I saw it on your site, but it looks really cool. So. Did you start it? Do you work on the organization, or what happens there? No, it's actually um, put together by Craig Schumacher, who's an engineer here, engineer producer here in town. I've heard uh, of him. He's done Calexico, uh, Dvorska. Um, he did the new uh, Katie Tunstall record. Oh, Nico Case. Uh, so, like a lot of, he's done a lot of really cool uh, music and made yeah. a lot of really great records so he put up the the potluck conference now it's it's had a few iterations uh, i'm not 100 percent on the history but it used to be in new orleans and then it was i think in portland and then it's moved around a lot and it used to be a part of tape op magazine as well oh really okay that's where i think maybe i'd heard about it yeah but now he sort of runs it and uh and it's it's just a really really cool conference it's smaller it's very, I want to say, like intimate community of people. You get to just hang out and 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 talk to everybody there. Like, there's a ton of really great record, uh, engineers and producers. Uh, I I got the opportunity to I interviewed Andrew Sheps, who's done Red Hot Chili Peppers, Black Sabbath, uh, tons of other great bands. Uh, Dusty Wakeman, who used to be a big engineer, but now he works more or less for Mojave and does like kind of home recording stuff, Mojave Audio, the microphones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just uh, Vance Powell was there. Michael Romanofsky was a mastering engineer out of uh, San Francisco. Uh, he's one of my favorite mastering engineers because he works worked on, uh, the, worked on a Dredge album, and one of my favorite bands is Dredge, so... I, I had to bug him for an interview a few years back, and now we, now we meet every every time we go. I go to San Francisco, or he comes here. So, cool. And this is mostly recording engineers, and there's like workshops and forums all about recording. Yeah, there's a panels during the day, and then there's like a tiny trade show. But it's not really a trade show; it's more of a conference, obviously. And what's cool about the Tucson potluck is 
that it's at the uh, Conquistador Hilton Hotel up here, uh, up north in Tucson, and they have these like little casitas that are just like these small kind of bungalow uh, hotel rooms, and they have these casita um, walk or casita parties where you just walk from one casita to the other, and there's you know Audio Technica's demoing gear here, and then. You know, uh, SC Electronics is demoing some gear here. Phoenix Audio is doing something cool here. So it uh, it's just something completely different than any other conference, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a lot of a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, if you if you can get past uh, Tucson in August, which is kind of hell on earth, but other than that, it's kind of awesome. Oh wow, yeah, that sounds like it'd be the worst <laughs> time to have it. That's <laughs> no, I mean, like the there's air conditioning, and you can always jump in the pool. So. <laughs> Okay, if I can watch the conference from the pool, maybe I'll come. <laughs> All right, Bjorkvin, well, where is the best place for people to follow your work online? So I would say go to audioissues.com and sign up to the email list because that's uh, how you get instant access to everything I have to say. Um, you get access to, you know, like you get emailed every time there's something cool going on that I... Um, that I think is cool, at least. Uh, if you're on Twitter, I'm at, at audioissues.com and also facebook.com slash audioissues. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, I love you. Sound design. Yeah. Hey, 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 this is Nathan. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed this episode of Sound Design Live, rate it, rate it. on iTunes or send it to a friend. 